In 2021, Talk About It Outdoors partnered with an industry-leading brand that has stamped its name on the outdoor industry. Cruiser Saddles in itself stands on perfection, and with every climb we make, we elevate ourselves above the rest. In addition to a support to our hunting journey, the men and women behind Cruiser believe in the same principles of life as us. Faith, family, and the blessings of being better as they go in every sit. If your desire to pursue your passions one step ahead of the rest, go ahead and get in the best. Check them out on all the socials or head over to their website at www.cruiser.com. That's C-R-U-Z-R.com. And tell them to talk about it outdoors, boys, and Chasing Weekends sent you their way. The journey of life has a unique way of being able to create tried and true friendships as we go. In forming those relationships, oftentimes good things come to follow. Talk About It Outdoors is proudly supported by Cal Hardy of Arrowhead Land Company. Cal is the leading broker over Georgia and is happy to assist you with finding the place where you can call home. With vast knowledge and an understanding of the ever-evolving real estate market and a unique old-school approach to everything he does, he exemplifies what it means to treat others like you'd want to be treated. Don't settle for being just another number in a phone. Choose Cal Hardy for all your land, home, and commercial real estate needs and become a part of his family. We sure are blessed to have him as a part of ours. Find him on Facebook, Instagram, or give him a call at 770-296-2163. Step back to the times when a feed store was more than just that, and the people inside smiled with friendly faces and provided a place for a talk on life, as well as all your essential farm, livestock, and pet needs. Cherokee Feed and Seed located in Ball Ground, Georgia, with an additional location in Gainesville, are the hometown supplier of all your cattle, equine, and pet needs, with the added addition of being able to keep your deer herd healthy with protein and minerals. They also carry an assortment of hunting blinds and gear, and you can rest easy knowing the people that support local ball clubs and children's sports are who your hard-earned money is going to. The people here greet you with a handshake and a smile, and Cherokee Feed and Seed give more than just a product. They give you a welcome that'll make you return time and time again. Stop in next time you're in the area and tell them you're part of the Talk About It Outdoors family. A few years back, when an overbearing and overgrown backyard became an eyesore, I looked for a solution to resolve. LRS Land Services created a stunning and complete transformation turnkey at an affordable price with their mulching services. Not limited to mulching, LRS can provide turnkey grading and clearing, maintenance, right-of-way clearing, and even development for any and all forestry needs. With an innovative outlook on what is best for your land and a completely different approach than others, LRS can transform your overgrown eyesore into a beautiful landscape of your dreams. Give them a call at 404-889-1105 or check their work out on Facebook at LRS Land Services. Logan and his team are ready to make your land brand new again. Building the foundation of your life starts at the base, and the stronger it is, the better. Talk About It Outdoors is proud of our strong partnership with United Concrete and Paving and the foundation of support they provide. Whether your new home being built needs concrete work or that driveway you're tired of beating all the bearings from your pickup needs a paving, Michael and his team can provide any residential or commercial project support you might need from the ground up. If you're tired of tripping over that unsettled patio slab or a future shop build needs a smooth start, United Concrete and Paving can get you going when you need it most. Give them a call at 404-831-3036 and make sure you tell them them TAI boys are where you heard it first. Ready, Nick? Let's do it.
Outdoors. All right, everybody, talk about it outdoors live in the Wilson studio. Nick, Alex, Tyler, and Caleb are ready to get this one underway. Hey, we bring you back an old friend, Mr. Dave Owens, with the Penhody Project and Chase Grubbs with Turkeys for Tomorrow. Are here to tell us all about the new stuff they've got going on. It's going to be a fun one, an educational one, and the reason why you should get involved with Turkeys for Tomorrow. Y'all pull up a chair and set a while. We're going to have a good time. All right, Nicholas, turkey season is well underway. Your favorite time of the year. I've still been chasing them dogs and having all kinds of fun with that. And, buddy, I cannot wait to hear what they've got going on with turkeys for tomorrow since our one-year-ago conversation with Mr. Jim Ronquist. It's been a long time, man. It's been a long time coming. There's a lot of changes been made so far. There's been a lot of changes all around, man. We watched Jim on his lives and stuff, and I get excited. He always calls us out on there. He said, there's him talk about it, boys. He's always excited to see us get on, but – I tell you what, it's uh, it's been an interesting change of uh, pace for Turkeys for Tomorrow when you look at their social media and what they've been doing and what growth they've shown over the last year. And we thought it'd be a good idea to get them on and kind of tell what they're doing in today's world and kind of see how they're changing the narrative on what we're doing for the wild turkey population in the United States. Well, you know, we just recently got back from Nashville and um, Chase came over to the booth and was passing out cards and talking to me and Cody and I thought, well, when I get back, we'll swing up and plan an episode, and here we are. Well, we caught him right in the middle of a, a big time <laughs> hunt. It was a good time to catch him together. But uh, Chase, uh, Dave, you know, welcome back to you, and uh, welcome Chase to talk about it outdoors. We appreciate you taking the time to do this with us. Well, thank you guys for having us on. I, I really appreciate it, and I know you know we're excited to talk about turkeys for tomorrow. Why Dave's here? Because uh, we wouldn't normally be in the same area, but we managed to catch up this week for really special calls, which was our hunt raffle we put on this year, the inaugural hunt raffle. And, uh, man, that raised a pile of money for turkey conservation. I couldn't have been prouder with how it turned out. We had guys from all over the country putting in for those hunt raffles. Everybody wanted to hunt with the guys we had. And, Dave, I'm glad you volunteered your time and made it happen. Shoot, man, it was a pleasure. It's a pleasure being on here with you guys, chatting with y'all again. I know I've been on here a couple times. It's always a, always a fun chat. And uh, as far as this hunt raffle goes, it was uh, – Anybody that wants to get involved should get involved. Money's going to a good place. It's a, it's a pure, it's a, it's, a, it's a conservation movement with purest intentions. And I think uh, anybody that pays attention can see that. So, um, yeah, I'm glad to see the see the hunt raffle do so well. And hopefully we can we can get uh, get a raffle winner in front of a turkey tomorrow. So, I got a question for quick, Alex. <laughs> Take your train of thought. Dave, what was your reaction when you got that first phone call from Chase about, hey, will you participate in this hunt for us? Oh, it was absolutely. I mean, I can't. Was it? Was it even? No. We, so I. So we spitballed uh, it. Yeah. Uh, the outfit had reached out, which that's what I mean. We love the people. They are asking how they can get involved, and uh, you know, new organization. We're kind of filling people out, and this out. These outfitters that stepped up for this, they uh, they all were like, well, "We want to get involved, but we don't necessarily know how." And I thought, well, nonprofits they can do lotteries and raffles and i was like it would be a great thing to do to get a hunt raffle going i said and generate some money for turkey research and promote you know us getting guys out there in the turkey woods put them in front of turkeys and you know getting good guys in camp like dave tyler jordan philip culpepper and preston Pittman. i mean it, it was a great idea and so when i called dave dave jumped all over it. dave was like man i would love to do that you know any chance to get in the turkey woods any chance to raise money for turkeys that's that's awesome and i think there may be a little bit of unknown when it comes to turkeys for tomorrow because people out there may or may not know what turkeys for tomorrow is and i know your mission statement being we promote america's hunting traditions conservation and education through the timeless collaboration of hunters and wildlife professionals to ensure that you do have turkeys for tomorrow but just real quick before we get into everything chase kind of tell us what that means to you and what the thought process goes into behind that so i mean we uh Turkeys for Tomorrow was founded by a group of just veteran turkey hunters. They got together and talked about their past few hunting seasons, and uh, they all kind of came to the conclusion that places that used to have tons of turkeys didn't have tons of turkeys. It sounds kind of simple. <laughs> they they asked themselves a question, and they got some people on the phone early on, and it was kind of a year of doing just, you know, phone calls, uh, talking to other friends, and they put together like, okay, we, we do have an issue. It's not necessarily, there are no turkeys left, but we're definitely seeing less turkeys than we were a few years ago. And so they applied to get a 501c3 nonprofit and 
came up with this grand idea of what Turkeys for Tomorrow was going to be, a grassroots turkey conservation organization focused on research and habitat improvement to make sure that there are more turkeys in the woods. And we thought, how can we do that? Who is important and who can, you know, who can help us get that goal done? And number one, turkey hunters. We are a turkey hunting organization. Uh, turkey hunters are our backbone. We're turkey hunters. All the board members are turkey hunters. We spend time in the turkey woods. If you call us on our cell phones right now before 10 o'clock, we'll, you know, we'll get back to you. <laughs> um, and then two, it was, it was researchers. You got guys out there that are living amongst turkeys, thinking about turkeys when they wake up. And we felt like if we could put turkey hunters and researchers together, we would have, you know, something good going. And man, that has been the case because so much research is getting in front of people now. I mean, you saw what Chamberlain's doing with his Turkey Tuesdays. It's like that he was one of the guys that really started doing that, which was getting that information out to the public and guys are hungry for it. I mean, the turkey hunters care about turkeys and that's where Dave is always putting on his Instagram. Turkey hunters are different. And if Turkeys for Tomorrow has proved anything, that is that turkey hunters are different. Now, when it comes to the, I guess, getting in front of the people, are you guys really getting behind legislation that's going on in a lot of states to see, you know, the support of the turkey? And there's one in particular that I've got in mind I'll bring up in just a second. But how how is that working for you guys? So we've done some uh, correlations with, uh, like, SEI and backcountry hunters and anglers and stuff like that for some of these, you know, write your legislators and get uh, if these bills passed or, or shut down, um, like the Georgia bill with the trapping and then the Tennessee wildlife management area stuff. So we're, we're trying to get involved on, on that side of things. But uh, those opportunities for us right now, we're really trying to get research projects going. Um, just one, because we want to have research to base off of why the regs should change or, or what policy should be. So our five-year plan here is to have five research projects going in five states. And I don't want to put my foot in my mouth, but I believe we are going to meet that goal and go far above and beyond because right now we're in the project proposal review stage for several projects. And I, I, like I said, that goal should be met quicker than, than five years. The support for Turkey for Tomorrow, like you guys said on the intro, I mean, just this spring, our Instagram account, Facebook, everything, it, it's growing by the thousands of people. I mean, I look at it one Monday morning, and it'll be, you know, a thousand more by Friday. And I'm like, that's that's awesome to see. And, I mean, turkey hunters are, are stepping up and supporting it. And since March 1, we, we launched the membership. And uh, that's, you know, it's turkey season. So guys are signing up. Most of the signups are at night. <laughs> you don't really see many during the day, but it's guys are signing up and supporting us. And that's just another way to get involved for anybody listening is to sign up as a Turkeys for Tomorrow member. Well, I know that I heard just this week that uh, on Governor Brian Kemp's desk here in Georgia, there's a bill that hit to open and make it an open season on raccoon and possum 365. So it's sitting on the governor's desk right now that I know that's a big push for for nest predators and uh, in, in taking those out. So hopefully that comes into play because I'll tell you what they wear my corn out when I'm deer feeders. I'm telling you, I'm tired of looking at looking at coons and possums. Let me ask you a question on that. This for both you guys. Um, this is one of the questions I had wrote down, and I think I've asked this in the past pertaining to killing nest predators, taking those out. How do you steer that conversation when somebody's like, "Well, I don't really want to kill it if I'm not going to eat it." How do you stir? How do you approach that conversation when somebody asks you that? The way I approach it is it's a necessary evil. Um, you know, um, it's not pretty. The, uh, trapping is, is not a pretty thing to a lot of people. Um, but it's a necessary evil, I guess, is the way I view it. Um, I always try to visualize little poults being ambushed, more or less, you know, and I do care more about the turkeys. And when you really um, sit down and look at the, the nuts and bolts of the conversation, We've got nest predator populations that are busting at the seams, and it's our fault. Um, so for us not to, as the human population, for us not to take that into consideration and understand that due to the manipulation of the habitat that we've done and due to the uh, different um, things like baiting and stuff that we have made available that has caused these predator populations to essentially just multiply at exponential rates, we're making healthier predators. We're making, um, I think, was it Chamberlain that called them predator food plots? Mm -hmm. Because basically the way we have, you know, our timber practices are, and, and the way we're doing our habitats, essentially, we're stacking all the odds against our turkeys. 
Um, so the way I view that and, and, and as far as taking nest predators out of the, out of the equation, or at least a few or few, you know, a few of them out of the equation is uh, it's kind of a necessary evil due to uh, something that we've screwed up as, as, you know, as people. Um, and it's also important, I think, to realize that realistically, we are not going to hurt the raccoon and possum population. Um, as turkey hunters and, tr- and people that are doing this specifically to try to help poult recruitment, we're looking at doing this for a few months. Um, we're not looking to eliminate a population of predators. We're looking to kind of curb that robust population I just mentioned during, the, during that nesting season just to give our hens and our poults a fair shake. Um, so nobody needs to view this as, um, as some type of, you know, elimination of a resource because it's not. I mean, an ecosystem needs to be balanced, you know, um, and right now we just don't have balance. I know in the areas around home where we've taken out more, you know, coyotes, <laughs> we've seen a explosion of turkeys i mean right here close to home and we through trapping and of course hunting them at night the way that we do it's been amazing to see the amount of turkeys right just right here close to our house and you go into an area and a guy says i don't really want anybody in here hunting and i said well you you got any turkeys and they're like well yeah i got a few and i used to see a lot more but i think the coyotes are getting them let me come in there and hunt those coyotes and we'll see if we can't get your turkeys back up same thing goes with these coon you know and possum taking them out I had a guy the other night that said, you see any animals on my property except a deer or my cows, you kill it. He said, I'm tired of them eating my turkeys. He said, because these coons, I said, I've seen them wipe out. And I'm like, all right, well, I got to wait till season's in before we do that, of course. But no problem. We'll come back and we'll make sure to take care of that for you. But I think you made a, a valid point there that a balanced ecosystem is crucial to whatever environment we're in. We take everything out. It throws something else out of balance. But there is no fur market anymore. There is no, you know, uh, ability for people to sell it. There's no value in someone doing this and spending the money on trapping other than a hobby. And is it really worth it for just a hobby? Well, you got to look at the grand picture, like you said, Dave, and getting the ability to help the turkey population. You want a turkey hunt in the spring, you better be killing some coons in the fall. <laughs> I mean, it's simple yeah, as it's that. It's definitely going to help. It's definitely going to help. And that's where, like, turkeys for tomorrow, uh, I mean, obviously, just what David said, it's like if we can get some of these states to allow trapping during the nesting season, you know, we're not trying to upset any coon hunters or guys that have coon dogs. It's just if we could just curb it just enough during the nesting season where you can give them an easy food source, they'll come get the stuff out of the trap, get some coons off the property. And like Dave said, give the poults a fighting chance where they're not getting predated on every day. Uh, the nests aren't getting predated on. That's, that, you know, that's going to help turkeys. And uh, those coons and possums, when they're taking out 12 eggs at a time, that's a lot of turkeys if you – you know, lose three or four nests a year to them. Do snakes eat a lot of? Are they considered a nest predator? I don't. I'm not sure. I've always wondered. They that. are, and I think I just watched. I just um, I think it was Chamberlain or who was it? I think it was Chamberlain. Oh, I, was or, say, I think it was Chamberlain. It was either Chamberlain or, or Marcus Lashley, Doctor Lashley that that shared something about gray rat snakes. That was about how they're going using and uh, traversing across. Was it early successional or something during the nesting season and how they've tagged them and they're starting to monitor gray rat snakes and, and, and stuff during the nesting season and about how, because, I mean, there's some things that we just flat out can't help when it comes to turkey stuff. You know, you got raptors. I mean, we can't do anything about raptors. Their populations are exploding. There are more raptors now than, but you can't go out and shoot raptors. At least you can't tell nobody, put it that right. way. You know, all your old, all your old Southern plantation owners, all your old quail plantation owners used to carry a 22 Magnum in their, you know, in their beside them. And that wouldn't just for show. Um, nobody, they didn't like hawks from way back, but that's just not good practice, you know. Um, but you got those type of issues and fire ants, cold springs. There's nothing we can do about that. You right. know, you know, you got all kind of, you know, mother nature can be rough. So, um, we're just, you know, and, and and I think we all know to be realistic when it comes to predator trapping and what we're just have seemed to kind of started discussing here is it has to be extensive. It has to be timely. I mean, it has to be a really coordinated approach for it to have any kind of impact. But like I've said many, many times, a dead coon ain't going to need no eggs. I can, I can promise <laughs> you that. So in my opinion, every, everyone helps. 
but um but yeah it's it's something that has to be approached with kind of some some common sense like if you I'm not going to say I'm going to swerve to miss a coon on the road, but just because you run over a coon, you didn't save turkeys next year. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, I like it. Well, and I think that we've got to dove off down a, a good pathway there in what turkey turkeys for tomorrow is promoting. So over the last year, Chase, what has been one of the biggest changes since we did our last show um, with Jim? And, and what's the what's the biggest, I guess, goal that you guys have met this year? Well, uh, I guess in the last year, uh, I started working for Turkeys for Tomorrow. Um, I got brought on for Turkeys for Tomorrow at late May, early June of 2021. So I've almost been here a year now. Uh, We started our membership option, and we've changed our website a lot. We've got projects on the ground. I doubt when you guys talked to uh, Jimbo that there was even a project on the ground. We've got four projects on the ground in Alabama. The first year and everything's been paid for. They are underway. We've got over 230 birds in the sperm count project. We've got sawmeters hung throughout the state. We've trapped hens for nest success and to monitor the vegetation that they're nesting in, how they're moving around, their nesting dates. And, I mean, we, uh, like I said, we're reviewing other projects. And turkeys for tomorrow, I mean, it's growing at a good pace because every, you know, Everybody I'm talking to this, this spring has heard of turkeys for tomorrow compared to last spring. And last spring, talking to guys, they're like, I don't, I don't even know what that is. Yeah. And I think that's a big challenge for anything today when you start something up, vast startup programs that are out there with anything that goes into hunting. I mean, Dave, how many shows have spawned off of public land hunting mm-hmm. that, that you started? Or, you know, how many oh, other yeah. conservation projects are there out there that are getting up and going? But I think with the name basis that you guys got behind Turkeys for Tomorrow and the true passion that goes into it, I don't think it's just about being another brand. And it does have something that stands behind it. And you can look at the website itself and get all the information that you need, whereas a year ago you couldn't do that and people were finding it on the social medias. And so the progression through that is definitely good to see. Um, I think the biggest thing – Oh, right. Partners we've had. Uh, I mean, the guys in the industry that have stepped up and, and been willing to do so much, uh, even the small guys, I mean, just people's willingness to help where I go back to it. Dave preaches on it all the time. Turkey hunters are different. Uh, there's, there's been brands that have put a lot of faith in a young organization, which you don't necessarily see across the whole hunting space. I mean, like I said, we celebrated our one year birthday on in February of 2022. And there, I mean, if you look at our website and you see the partners, I mean, we've got some big ones on there. And I can't say thank you to those guys enough, especially Dave, uh, the guys of Backwoods Grind, Pistol Creek, like some of those really early guys who saw this as a great opportunity to help turkeys. Uh, I mean, I, I can't say thank you enough to those guys. And then, of course, for Auburn University, for, you know, being that first university in the Alabama Wildlife Federation with, you know, just putting some faith in us to lead a project and fund a project to get turkeys to at least put our thumb on what's happening in uh, Alabama with the turkeys. Is there one state that's hurting more than another state? Is there like a top five that's the worst? I feel like turkeys for tomorrow was based in the southeast just because a lot of the, the turkey hunting heritage is in the southeast. And if you talk to guys in the southeast, they're saying they're hearing less turkeys. But I think it's in pockets. Uh, there's definitely areas that have a lot of birds. And, you know, there's areas that don't have a lot of birds. It's, you know, we're just trying to figure out what is going on for the areas that used to have a lot of birds and do not anymore. And it might not necessarily be one thing. It's, you know, it might not be one answer. There's probably multi-pronged answers that we're going to have to explore, which is why the Alabama stuff we're doing is so important because it's so vast, just trying to get something to focus on. We didn't want to dump a bunch of money into one little area and then prove, okay, well, that wasn't it. Uh, We wanted to go in really get the whole scoop of let's see what the turkeys in Alabama are doing. Let's see when they're nesting. Let's see when they're gobbling. Let's see turkeys in Alabama fertile. Uh, where are the hens nesting? Are they picking great nesting sites? Are they nesting in areas where they predation, you know, would be a big Im- impact on them. And then we've got a study too with hogs. Uh, one of the ho- things is, is pig removal important for turkey success? A lot of guys in the Southeast say pigs are why there's no turkeys. And so we're trying to see is, okay, is there a correlation there? Is there not? And I just think, like, we can answer some of the questions in Alabama. That'll apply to your Georgia, your Mississippi, your Arkansas. We can. It's not just going to apply to stuff in Alabama. Uh, so. 
Get him, son. <laughs> Treat. Talk to him. There's a there's a coon dog out of Treat. Oh me, that's how you know we're in hunting camp. Hey, I love uh, it. Let me ask you this, Chase is is it, is the research the same whether it's a Rio, a Eastern, oh, Merriam, Osceola? Is all the research the same? I'm gonna say at this point we've got these four projects and like we're exploring some other projects. So at this point, I'm gonna just. Hold off on that question gotcha. because I'm a research guy. I'm the director of marketing at Turkeys for Tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, understood. I do the social media. I do like our partnership agreements. I'm out, you know, talking to people and uh, trying to get Turkeys for Tomorrow and and everyone's on everyone's phone where they're seeing it and keep it relevant. So I'll let someone – you guys will have to get Dr. Goolsby or Ron Jolly or someone to, on the podcast to answer some of those questions. Let me ask you this about Osceola, and this is probably, this is probably a good question for Dave, but – um, I know a couple of guys that went down there this year to hunt some public ground, and they just kind of swore it off that they might not go back just because of the amount of people hunting and the lack of birds that they heard. Do you think that that's going to come down to a situation where they stop hunting or shorten the time of hunting, Dave? Um, I think that is kind of a um, that same um, – conversation can be had about a lot of places across especially the southeast especially places with the early openers um people are excited about turkey hunting i don't think it's a, a, uh, any type of uh new revelation that turkey hunting has become popular over the last handful of years um so pressure is something that has to be considered um will it mean reduced opportunity i sure hope not i know uh, well i mean it, it already has at some at some level but um but that being said the reason that we're seeing reduced opportunities is because we're not making as many turkeys. Um, if you want to get down to the nuts and bolts of things, if we were making plenty, then we would, um, there would be no issue as to how many we were killing basically. Um, so I'm hoping that we can get some of these questions answered, like with these research projects and make sure the, basically the, the money that we're putting forward to helping turkeys, we're putting it in the right places so that we can be as efficient as possible with, with the funding and with the efforts. Um, that's why I think it's super important for us to try to answer some of these questions like that people have um, because nobody really knows the smoking gun. And I doubt there is a smoking gun. There's probably a lot of little bitty smoking guns. And if we can figure out which ones we need to address first and we start producing more turkeys, then there won't be the issue with people hearing less turkeys. That being said, um, I'm assuming y'all probably saw the thing that uh, – uh, who was it that shared it about the, the WMA in Louisiana? God, they had the hunters mm-hmm. carry the GPS units and they yeah. only used 9% of the area. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw you posted okay. that, yeah. Let, let me, you know, this is something that I've preached and many other people preached. It's not any type of, it's not some some new finding that people to be successful have to start approaching things differently. Um, if I've made, I've said the analogy that, well, I don't know if it's, I'll just say this, if 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 you if two people have access to 10,000 acres and they wind up at the same spot, then they're going to talk about pressure to where <laughs> yeah, full 10,000 acres to hunt. So people have to get creative because pressure's always been a thing. Um, you know, sure, you talk, you hear a lot more talk about it because turkey hunting has, has become popular. But you watch the Penhody project from the 2018 season before there was nearly as much turkey content on YouTube. We had people bumping turkeys off of us. We had people going around us. We had people barking beside us. We had people hunting next to it. Like hunting pressure has always been a thing and you had to be creative. The people were consistently successful were creative at finding ways to avoid it or use it to their advantage. Um, so I want to take a second too and commend Dave. Uh, I've watched his YouTube stuff since I was in college, which now wasn't that long ago, <laughs> uh, just a few short years ago. But just to commend Dave on his how he approaches the guys on public land that maybe come in there, you know, five minutes before Turkey's going to gobble and pull up right next to him and think, you know, there's no like, hey, we're going to go hunt the same spot. And Dave handles that really well. He's always respectful. And he just kind of, I think he's educating people about, okay, this is how, you know, traditionally public land works where, you know, you get to a gate at 2.30 in the morning, 3.30 in the morning, you sit there, have your coffee and hang out, put your boots on. You don't necessarily want the guy that pulls up five minutes before daylight to park right beside you and walk in behind you. Um, and that's one thing I think he's used this platform for, for great educational purposes is to say, like, 
hey, uh, you know, drive half a mile on the road and go in from a different way. We can, you know, hunt close to each other, but we're not going to hunt, you know, right in each other's boot tracks. I and, think uh, for you, I think that's something great to pick up on is like he's saying, come in from a different way, try something different. You don't necessarily have to walk right down the same road I'm walking down. I think and that could be said for anything, more, any kind of public hunting. As there. resources become more available, um, like the mapping software and everything, and, and some people like to throw mud at the mapping software and say it's making people, it's added a lot of pressure to the public land because it makes it more accessible. And that's true, but it also makes more of the public land accessible, like pieces of public land that people didn't know. And so instead of everybody stacking in on the popular piece, they can look at their phone or they can look at their state agency's website and figure out that there's a lot more options. They don't, you know, they saw X amount of people at this one. So they went and they can go research more options to hunt. Um, that as well as having, you know, if turkey hunting is getting is more popular and there's getting to be more people in the woods, that's more voices we have to flat out get more public land. Um, we need to research all these city municipalities and all these like agencies that have land already that could potentially be hunting property that we could use as public access. I think there's a lot of that out there that people don't realize that these water districts and water um, companies and just the different governmental agencies, they already own property that we could utilize, you know, and like the refuge system that the administration opened up, what was it, 2.2 million acres to additional public land hunting opportunities a couple years back or a few years back. And we're seeing that kind of getting fringed upon, if I'm not mistaken. So we got to be, as hunters, we have to be vocal and we have to be concerned. Um, it's frustrating to me because I worry about this kind of stuff year round. And you hear people talking about turkeys starting at about February. And I'm like, man, I was talking about this in June and July and August and when everybody else was on beach trips. And I'm not saying that everybody has to be as tunnel visioned and whatnot as I do. But just pay attention. And when there's a piece of legislation, like you guys mentioned earlier, that's going to be beneficial for turkeys or, you know, public lands being infringed upon. Man, it's important for us to, you know, put our foot down and be sure to get involved and get engaged and um, just take part. You know, be different. Like we don't want to just be guys that that get involved when we want to murder them, you know, and we want to kill them. Like everybody gets involved. You see the silly memes that people you don't see people interact on, on their social media pages unless they have some type of funny meme they can create and, and try to get a laugh out of people and get their extra engagement, you know? I mean, use that following for something productive. Like, get involved with these these messages. You know, you've got so many organizations now that, like, the how.org. Are you guys seeing that stuff to where these guys are going in there, they're getting these legislation, and they're making, like, you can make one click and send emails to, like, all your representatives and like really fill their inboxes up and show them that, Hey, we're paying attention. Like these people, you know, we're paying attention. So they're just making it so easy because it used to be a process and it is a process. And like we were talking about the predator stuff earlier, man, I started digging into the predator stuff earlier. I mean, you know, in the past couple of years, and it seems like some of those regulations haven't been revisited since the ice age. You know what I mean? Like some of the predator hunting stuff, since it fell out of popularity, they haven't revisited those regulations and they're so dated, it makes it impossible and very difficult to enter to become a trapper just to run dog-proof coon cuff traps and whatnot. Um, George is one of those. I'm like, how in the heck is somebody even supposed to do this? You know, I mean, you're making it impossible. We need all the help we can right now. Um, but it's just silly stuff like that that we can, with the voices and with the popularity and with more people that are hunting these turkeys, if we can get them motivated to help the turkeys as much as they're interested in killing the turkeys, then we're going we're going to turn this thing to a positive and we'll be making enough turkeys for everybody. I think Dave led right into that next one, uh, which is why did Dave want to get involved with turkeys for tomorrow? We reached out to Dave early on. We invited him to our summer meeting and uh, Dave showed up. And I mean, from the get go, Dave was very eager. I, I know we've talked about it between us, Dave, and, about why you wanted to get involved, but I'd love, you know, for you to tell everybody why Turkeys for Mars stuck out to you and what made you want to get involved at the level that you're involved in. I mean, I'm like, as anybody should be that hunts turkeys is they should be involved in any kind of conservation organization. That's going to put more turkeys on the ground. And when you look at an organization and you talk to the people that are at the, you know, that are behind the wheel of this thing and, and, um, heck man, I just believed in what they were saying. And, um, it made sense, and I agreed with many of their 
points and disagreed with some of them. Like it's, it's not like we're, you don't have to agree on everything. You know um, I think some stuff's more important than others and whatnot. And um, anyways, just getting involved in uh, a young organization like that, I felt like I could be, it would be beneficial for me to be involved. I felt like I could have an impact and we could get things moving in the right direction. And I'm couldn't be more proud of seeing where it's seeing, you know, which way it's headed. So Chase, let me ask you a question on these, uh, like talking about bills that could go across like this bill that Alex was talking about with the uh, Kemp. Is that something that, that that's, is going to be posted like on the website, Turkeys for Tomorrow, because everybody's not on social media that turkey hunts, and they could just go make one click instead of several different clicks because they don't know how to do that. Is that is that possible in the future? So you guys are – our website guy right now is actually looking at doing something on our website for kind of how to find out what's going on in your state, legislation, uh, past research, harvest numbers. So – Yes, we're working on that, but I was going to say we did share the Georgia bill on our social media. All that stuff that Hal's putting up, if we agree with it, we're going to share it and try to put it on social media, whether it be Facebook and Instagram. But to answer that question, yes, our, our website guy is looking at it. I've interacted with and corresponded with him now for about a week and a half. But uh, right now, I know we're just – everybody's super busy. Turkey, Like I said, Turkey's for Tomorrow is experiencing some rapid growth and, you know – we're a small organization, which is good because we can get things moving quickly. We don't have to go up and down a million ladders to figure out what needs to happen. Uh, so I would say just give us some time, and that's going to be something you guys can see as going to 2023 into 2022. I love it. And I, I, the website looks great, by the way. I, I clicked on it earlier to kind of see where it was at. Right in the front of the page, you got your mission statement there, and it kind of draws your eye to it and makes you want to carry on with it. Oh, well, I was going to say that, that website, uh, man – we thought about it and thought about it and thought about it. And it, I've, I'm happy with it right now. We're, we're ever changing it. We just did a big update to it the other week, about two weeks ago. So it's just growing with us, which is important. Um, we, like I said, we've had some great partners. And if you go to our website, you guys can check those out. We just had Onyx come on board with us, which we were super excited about because they're doing some great things for conservation. It's just, it's great to see brands that they care. I mean, it's, it's, you know, guys that are making money with turkey hunters are giving back to turkeys. And like I said, our mission statement is to put more turkeys in the woods. So we appreciate those guys stepping up and volunteering to help us. I mean, Dave and the guys at Backwoods Grind, like look at that stuff with their cannoli roast. They just hit $10,000 on that the other, what was it, the beginning of Mississippi's mm-hmm. turkey season. So we're like back in March, they hit $10,000, which uh, from selling bags of coffee. So we couldn't be more appreciative of, of guys like that stepping up. And there's been some small time guys too, you know, just write us and say, how can we help? We've got such and such brand and we, you know, maybe we'll sell 30 hats a year, but we'd love to give our profits to turkeys for tomorrow. And that's where I say, again, turkey hunters, they care about the resource. And a lot of turkey hunter satisfaction is based off of gobbles herds. So when guys go out and they're not hearing gobbles, they're starting to ask questions to their hunting buddies and in their own heads, like, man, are there as many turkeys? They're running trail cameras. They're, they're not seeing that there's as many turkeys. So I think right now we've got everyone's ear pulled to the side. It's kind of realizing, okay, I I agree that there is an issue with what's going on with turkeys. Love it. Well, that spins us right into our shooting you straight segment, so let's get it on. This week's shooting you straight brought to you by land specialist Cal Hardy with Whitetail Properties. If you're looking to buy or sell land in the northwest Georgia area, give our boy Cal a call. 770-296-2163. Day or night. All right, fellas. This uh, this question come in. Do you think corn or supplemental feed is hurting the turkey population? Take that first you want me to. (laughs) I think we've had this conversation before, Dave. (laughs) Yeah, I think we just touched on it a little bit with the with the. Uh, I think it's my me personally. I think it's hurting it in a couple of different. Man, you just asked if I wanted to take it, and you just yeah, <laughs> you were you were stumped. got him, you were got him. I didn't want to put you in the spot. Well, I was, I'm full of opinions. <laughs> as far as, uh, I mean, I definitely think there are there are some negatives associated with it. Uh, we've talked about doing some research on there. And I don't want to say anything definitively from a Turkish for Tomorrow standpoint. So that's kind of where I'll let Dave go ahead and get his opinion. <laughs> Spin it over know, to the man, the man of plenty of opinions. Spin it over yeah. to him. <laughs> so I, I'll, I'll bow out of that one. And uh, like I said, I'll wait till Turkey's for Tomorrow has some research going on on that to, to say whether or not. I don't know. What is that? We're in camp. We're 
lot of noise. We got dogs barking and y'all may have yeah, y'all, y'all may y'all have y'all a damn fire in there. <laughs> yeah, hey, it's coming from the kitchen. So oh well, we asked that question. Dave was fixing to fire up. Oh, so uh, hold on, hold on, guys. We got the. <laughs> that's fine. Yeah, I wish I wish they could see the background of this place they're sitting in. Yeah, it looks, it looks like the it looks like the uh, the bar, the bomb shelter in Iowa. That's I thought they were like in a bathroom at a local pub. <laughs> <laughs> the refrigerator had had come open and it was sounding the alarm. Well, hey, that's a good thing. At least your stuff won't be ruined. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, getting to the corn, in my opinion, yeah, it's it's a multi-stepped. It causes issues in all kind of fronts. I mean, I think. Um, like I said, we're building super predators and we're, we're building um, traps for our turkeys. I mean, I think we're setting them up for failure by, by making them walk a, a plank of death as they sit there as they're being ambushed by predators. Um, but the biggest thing, I mean, Mississippi State just re- released the, the – I mean, there is no disputing that. I mean, they've done the research. I mean, they've showed you what the toxins that are, you know, are growing on this corn and how – uh, their negative effects on turkeys and many other uh, wildlife species, um, you know, being a just a, essentially a, a place for a vectors to, to sit and just be spread from contact or from, um, you know, a lot of different issues with, with the baiting stuff for me. Um, it's, I don't think it's a, uh, it's just no, it's no secret that I'm, I'm adamantly opposed to it. Um I'll agree with Dave on that. The, the corn and the baiting stuff, it is almost creating a perfect recipe for predators. Uh, I don't think that's a, a question that anybody has. I think, guys, you know, you look at your trail camera photos, that's just you've got all the coons on your place coming to that one spot. Um, and then even, you know, turkeys feeding there with their heads down and get stalked on. And I, I will completely agree with that. I think, you know, everybody can agree that that's just making it pretty easy on predators. And I mean, we're a predator. That's why you That's why you put it out because you're a predator and you're wanting to utilize the, the bait as, as a centralized location for, for a hub for activity. So you can kill something. I mean, that's, we're a predator just like coons and just like coyotes and bobcats and whatever. Now I don't know if coyotes and bobcats are making any type of significant reduction in wild turkey population when it comes to adult birds. Um, I'm more concerned with the uh, fattening up the coons <laughs> and yeah. getting them ready for the, for the nesting season. And also the, the, the disease aspect is really, I think there's a, I think there's a disease aspect to our turkey issues. It's a much greater problem that's being discussed because it's just an unknown um, and I, for one, think that's one of the most interesting projects, and I hope to see a lot more projects centered around disease and looking at different aspects, different types, different strains, different, you know, um, because a lot of these diseases, we know they exist in turkeys, but we just don't know what they do to turkeys. And um, it's hard. I mean, you find a, you don't find dead turkeys in the woods. You find eight turkeys in the woods. You find what's left, which makes it appear that the turkey was killed by a bobcat or a coyote, but we don't know if that turkey was lethargic, which led to its demise. You know, um, it just shows up as a as a turkey that's been predated upon. You know, I mean, it's not very often you find a whole dead turkey that you can pick up and go have tested for disease and, and its cause of death. Um, not unless you shoot one in the riding, face of that usually, TSS. It's usually riding in some other animal's stomach by that time. That's you know? right. Yeah. Well, let, let me um, ask you this, just from the other side, though. Do you think that that bait pile is maybe keeping those coons or possums away from those turkey eggs at that time? I, I'm just – I know we ne- we probably can't answer that, but I wonder if it's helping keep those – fill those coons up over there at that feeder versus going to going know. to fine feed. I don't know if it would ever be good to have just a stockpile of coons on your property. I, I can't see any positives. To no, no, and I'm just saying if you do have like a bait pile, if they filled up over there instead of having to go out and search for food and find those nest eggs. Nick's but, playing devil's advocate here. The thing with any food plot or any anything is you're going to be drawing more game to, to an area. So if you have a bait pile, I think the issue is you're going to be having – 30 coons on the piece of property rather than 10. Now, would it be better to have 30 coons that are fed coons versus 10 coons <laughs> fed coons? I don't, I don't know that. I don't know that. But we've just seen, now here again, here's a, 
here's an experience piece, not a research piece, but we're just noticing like if you go try to run coon cuff traps in June after turkey season versus running coon cuff traps in February, you catch coons on culverts and creeks and swamps and things of that nature in February, you're not catching them there in June. You're catching them up around clear cuts and up around thinning and, and stuff with some uh, from some other understory. To me, what that points is, is these coons have evolved to know where the food source is. And they know that those type of habitats are where they're going to be finding ground nesting birds during June and July or, or May, June and July. So to me, that just kind of, maybe there's absolutely no correlation, but it just makes sense to me where they're not looking for eggs in February. And so you can find them where they're finding food along the stream's edge. And now they've kind of figured out that those, those more upland areas are providing a food source during June and July that it's typically like a, you know, it's a temporary thing. So they're trying to capitalize on it. That's right. Hey, Chase, in the last year, and this also goes for you too, Dave, in the last year that you've been here, Chase, have you noticed a change in people's interest to make it better for turkeys for tomorrow? Have you noticed more interest in that? Oh, I, I mean, yes, that's uh, for sure. Um, I mean, just – And I know you guy, said I know you said the Instagram grown, grown – Right, well, no, I was, I was going to say, I mean, it just seems like the hunting public guys, they're doing a great job of it, like Grant Woods, uh, Chamberlain. I mean, like uh, – I mean, everybody that's on social media, it seems like the focus has turned to what can we do to put more turkeys in our woods – and whether that be on my 40 acres or your five acres or the, or the public land, what can we do to put more turkeys in the woods? And these are conversations that I feel like weren't being had two years ago. I mean, would you agree with that? I mean, these conversations. That's because nobody was listening. Like Chamberlain has said multiple times, he's he's noticed some things and, and said some things and, and made remarks and asked for money for research, and but nobody was listening. Um, That's why I feel like Turkeys for Tomorrow was, I mean, we came onto the scene at the, the perfect time. Um I think we, like I said, people's ears were were bent to us when we first got started because there were so many questions um, with so few answers. Like I said, it was not hard to get that first research project on the ground. Uh, it was kind of, you know, we're going to put some money for research. Would you guys be willing to do that? And we had people just coming out of the woodwork. Like, yes, we'd love to see something like that. And I think that's why it's important. Like we get, we can kind of lump this all together. We can kind of get back to to the the answers for all of these questions that we're having and how involved turkey hunters are because turkey hunting has become popular. It's become sexy. I guess you could say, you know, traveling to turkey hunts becomes sexy. I mean, um, people uh, want to take part, whether it's new turkey hunters or whether it's just people that are hitting it a little bit harder because they're more interested. Um, having those people more interested is putting more eyes and ears onto the important questions and asking questions and wanting to be involved in um, all of that involvement, like the turkey situation that we're having, this didn't pop up just because we just started talking about it two or three years ago. It didn't pop up two or three years ago. These are issues that started showing some alarming trends a decade ago at minimum, you know? So these trends didn't just start two or three years ago when all this, all this, all these questions started being asked and all these people started getting momentum through social media or, or whatever. Um, the popularity of turkey hunting made those trends a talking point. People started listening. Um, that's why I think it's super important. And like I said, turkey hunters are different because when they are so concerned about the resource, they love the resource. When it comes time to, hey, our resource may be in peril, they're ready to jump on board. They're ready to do what it takes, uh, myself included. Like 10 years ago, was I having these type of conversations? Absolutely not. I was more interested in about the latest tactic on how I was going to kill the next one. I'm, I'm guilty as the next guy. Um, I'm proud to say that I've changed. My, my, my train of thought has changed. Um, I look at turkeys a little bit different now. I think we all have that, and we talked about the maturity of a turkey hunter um, and how, you know, I think that's just part of it, you know, and I'm not asking anybody to, to change the way they turkey hunt or anything of that nature, but I think when we start – realizing that our resource is extremely fragile and for us to be able to hunt them like we want to hunt them and as often as we want to hunt them we got to be careful we got to just pay attention and that's where i think like i mean a lot of guys now you know deer season comes around they're putting their trail cameras out in august and uh now guys are not putting them out from august to december they're putting them out just to see how many turkeys they have on their place what are the you know how many turkeys can they shoot and still have turkeys on their farm so cameras are going out 
now, you know, February, and they're pulling them down in April saying, okay, we had five long bears on our place this year, where last year we maybe had 10. I, I think the turkey hunters have become more concerned in the last two years, as what Dave was saying. I think those issues, as more people have started to travel and go around, they're realizing, like, okay, there, there really is less turkeys gobbling. Or we're at least hearing less turkeys. They're, they might still be there, but they're not gobbling as much. So why is that? Are there more predators on the ground? Are there just not turkeys in the woods? And but the biggest thing is, like Dave said, more turkey hunters are caring about the resource for the tomorrow aspect of things. Guys are thinking about, like, okay, if I shoot the only long beard goblin on my place, I'm going to have no turkeys to hear next year, or should I let him breed this year? not necessarily go in there and hunt, maybe find some other property that's got two or three long beards on them, shoot one off of there. And a lot of guys too, with, with, with seasons now that are coming a little bit later, I've seen guys say like, well, you know, I hate that you can't shoot all my birds the first week, but I also completely understand why, because this year I saw, you know, gobblers with hens that first season, that first week of the season, and they were, you know, breeding those hens and doing their thing. So hopefully that's putting more turkeys in the woods. And I think those discussions, I think if you had a chopped two weeks off the Georgia season and and did made the moves that some of the agencies like Georgia and Alabama have done, I think if you had done that 10 years ago, somebody would have been burned at the stake. I mean, I hope we can all agree on <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I think the educating, having people that care, having turkey hunters that are concerned, educating folks and, and, and telling them how this makes a difference. Um I think it's got people to where like, okay, man, it may, it may hurt. Um, might not be as, yeah, it may but hurt. maybe it makes a difference. Let's see. You know, I mean, it just makes people, people willing to try. Now. And, and I'm here again, don't take me for one of these guys that likes reduced opportunity. Cause I don't, um, I don't make no bones about that. I don't like reduced. I want to do what's right for turkeys and I want to have more turkeys, but I want to research every Avenue that we could possibly research to potentially curb harvest um, without having to reduce opportunity. I hate seeing people not be able to get out as much as they want to. Um, now, granted, agencies have always set bag limits and, and season dates. It's, it's not anything new. Um, and, just and let's works. just, in the space, it, once we have it, we always want it. You know what I mean? So, but that being said, I, I do want to make sure that we are putting the pressure on our agencies to do what we can to get some questions answered and to try to make sure that if we're reducing opportunity, we've researched all avenues and that's our last straw. Like that's what we got to do to make a difference. So um, that's where I kind of stand on that, I guess. Dave, do you remember where you were at or where you're hunting at when you realized that there was a problem? Um, Man, I'll be honest with you. I was pretty late to the show. Um, I was hearing the rhetoric kind of that just mumble, I guess I shouldn't call it rhetoric because those guys probably had a legitimate concern, but I hunt different. I don't think that's any secret. I go, I go a lot. I go deep. I go often. I go to places that a lot, I don't see a lot of people. So I, I just, not to mention I hunted and was raised in a region that has seen the least amount of Turkey issues, according to, you know, everything that's been published. Um, the mountains have seen, in most places, the mountains have seen less than the Piedmont, like in Georgia, for instance. The Piedmont region is where was hit the hardest, and I don't hunt there. I don't, I spend very little time there. I'm up in the mountains, and I, I was one of those. It was like, I don't see it. I don't see it. And I'm not one of those that's, it feels like the sky's falling. Um, there are there areas where I hear less turkeys? Sure, but there's been times. There's been times that, that, that areas that I hear a lot of turkeys, they would be off years that, you know, there'd be good hatches and bad hatches. If there was a good hatch in this area, I'd be there. If there was a bad hatch, I would go find an area that there was a good hatch. You know, the way turkeys work and being ground nesting birds, they're so susceptible to a cold winter. I mean, a cold spring and, and, and flooding. Um, I was always on the move. Um, what happened to me is I heard enough voices that I trusted to say, look, I know what you're seeing and you don't see it as well as I do, or you're not seeing it like I do. I heard enough voices to where I became concerned and said, okay, look, if that's what you said, then I believe you. Um, that's kind of where I stand on that. You know, um, I still feel like I can go to the places that I've gone for the last 20 years and I still hear turkeys. Do I hear less turkeys? 
Some years, some years I don't. Some years I hear more turkeys, you know. Um, well, that's where turkeys for tomorrow, I think, comes in too, because let's say, you know, you've got an area with really good turkey numbers. You've always had really good turkey numbers. Well, there's places out there, and I'll, I'll agree. I do a fair bit of traveling, and there's places where I've gone in the past, and there's not the turkeys there. So that's where turkeys for tomorrow said, you know, any issue at all is kind of unacceptable. Uh, if there's something going on in one area, we should try to figure it out because we don't want it to necessarily get to the, be too late where we can't do anything and we weren't proactive. Uh, so going off of what Dave said, we're not saying that the sky's falling, there won't be any turkeys next year. Good luck trying to kill one. That's not necessarily where we're at. We're just at, okay, any kind of downward trend is something that we need to pay attention to. We need to understand and we need to be prepared to step in and figure out what's going on and, and make corrective changes so that we can put this back in the right direction because like Dave said, if we can get back to making turkey factories, uh, it won't necessarily matter how many turkeys are being shot because we'd be reproducing the resource. The resource will be plentiful, and you'll have hunter satisfaction. Turkey hunters will be happy, and people will be hearing turkeys gobble. It'll be great in the turkey world. It'll be 2,000 again. <laughs> <laughs> hey, fellas, uh, before I let you go, I know you guys got a big uh, afternoon ahead of you, but um, tell us yeah, real quick. to roost a turkey for <laughs> Wes here. Tell us real quick, Chase. Tell us everything about the membership, what it includes, the price, okay. you know, all that stuff. So we launched our membership March 1st. Uh, for a long time, we were just a contribution-based organization where, you know, if you had money to give and wanted to be a part of Turkeys for Mar, you would go to our website, either purchase some merchandise or give us, you know, $20, $100, whatever you felt like, you know, had you wanted to give to support turkeys. Uh, well, just because – Hundreds of guys reach out. We want to do more. We want to get involved. We want, you know, we want to feel like we're doing something to help turkeys and we want to be able to be in this region and do this for turkeys. Uh, we decided, hey, let's do a membership. So we've got three membership packages. We've got our annual adult membership. Uh, well, I guess we have four. We have a youth membership. We have a team turkey membership. And then we have our lifetime membership. Um, and each one of those, you know, they're, they're tiered. So they all have different packages that come with them. Um, the basic package is we've got the newsletter, you've got discounts. Onyx just extended us an Onyx discount for all of our members, which that's pretty sweet. Onyx is doing a lot to help us. Uh, and I mean, it's just great to see it grow because the more that we have guys around the country sign up for Turkeys for Tomorrow, the more places we can get into and do research. So that's kind of the one thing. The one question that I got the most in my first year was, what are you doing in my state? And it was hard to answer those questions early on because, well, we won. We didn't know how many guys we had that were supporting us in that state. So it was hard to justify going to spend money in a state. Maybe you've only got two guys that knew about us. But now we're able to see that. We're able to track it. It's like, okay, we've got X amount of members in this state. So it would be worth going there and exploring what's going on because there's guys that care and, and are willing to help us fund that project. So it's definitely, it's a big plus for us. And if guys want to check it out, they can head to turkeysfortomorrow.org. There's a tab in the right-hand corner. It'll say join today, and uh, that'll give you some more information there. Love it, man. Um, appreciate you guys coming on. I know you got a lot to do. I know you're going to keep it safe out there on the road, Dave. And um, How about Wes? He got anything to add for turkeys for tomorrow? Man, he just run off. He We're just ran off. That's fine. He, That's fine. He's probably going to put his camouflage on. Yeah, he we might want to get him Dave, what, what do you think? Dave, what do you think folks can do other than the membership to help out? I know we've kind of touched on everything, but what's what's something else you think they can do, that we can do? Well, I, I can step in real quick and say something <laughs> else. And let Dave go in. Uh, definitely follow us on social media. But then, I mean, we'd love to hear what you're seeing in your area. We'd love to hear some ideas, some things, you know, you'd like to see studied. So that we've got to contact us portion of our website. You can write us a book if you want to. And those all get read. I read each one of those, uh, reply to some of them. Um, Ron Jolly replies to some of them. They all get replied to. I just don't necessarily reply to all of them just because I'm the, the marketing and, and partnership guy. Um, but that's another great way to just get in touch with us. Leave us your phone number. You call the phone number on the website, you'll talk to a real person. And I mean, it's a, it, we're very grassroots. Um, if you're trying to figure out more and learn how you can help, just give us a call, send us an email. Dave, you got any, anything else? As far as turkey hunters, what they can do to help, I mean, just pay attention. Like I said, I think it's, uh, it's a beautiful thing that the motivation behind turkeys and the resource and everybody kind of, we know, as I think as a general population of turkey hunters, we know a lot more today than we knew last year. And I think we knew no more then than we did the year before. So I think just paying attention to what the findings are 
um, and uh, getting involved. I mean, using if nothing else, use your voice. Um, you know, um, and I'm not talking about sharing something on social media. Sure, if there's something going around, pass it around, get the word out, get it in front of a bunch of eyes, get it in folks' heads so that they know what's going on. That that's that's that can be beneficial. But I'm talking about like get involved, like put boots on the ground if that's what's necessary. Like get involved with these conservation organizations, whether it be TFT, NWTF, um, Alabama Wildlife Federation, uh, Georgia Wildlife Federation, I mean, Quail Forever. I mean, there's so many conservation organizations that you can get involved with. Just like it don't, nobody's asking you to stroke a check for $20,000. Like, man, if we can have folks that, you know, 20 bucks at a time, we're going to win this battle. You know what I mean? Um, and um, yeah, that's, that's my biggest message is just get involved. Don't be a bump on a log. And if you're taking from the resource, try your best to put back just as much or more. If everybody did that, we wouldn't be we wouldn't be even probably be having most of these conversations. So Wes just came back in the room and he did. He's got his camo on, and I think he's ready to go roost when I get on him in the morning. Yeah, he is. I'll get that nail. He says he's ready. Uh, I will say I've been sitting beside Dave the last morning here. Man, his calling sounds good in the video, but when you're sitting beside him and you got a gallon turkey on the other end, that calling sounds so sweet. <laughs> I thought you was I'm, go. I thought you was gonna say you was out calling him out there, Chase. <laughs> we ain't hung up no turkey. Put it that way. <laughs> We've been getting laughed at. <laughs> oh man! Well, guys, he, as, as Nick said this morning, if we could turn him on the limb, he'd come in there and we turned him on the limb. We turned him on the limb. That turned a liar out of Yeah, that turkey put a whooping on us. Oh man! Well, you got one of the best in the business hunting with you out there, and you know through that hunt raffle and everything you guys are doing for for turkeys for tomorrow, it's a great thing to watch. And you know anyone that's interested in going over and checking out what they've got going on, you can find them on the internet at www.turkeysfortomorrow.org. You can also find and the hunt on- raffle is going to be something that we're going to do. I mean, the hunt raffle is going to be an annual thing for turkeys for tomorrow. I'm hoping that Dave will do it again. Oh yeah, uh, he says he will. So <laughs> I guess guys, look forward to having Dave on there next year. Wes, uh, he actually beat out about 800 guys. Wow. Uh, we, were, we, were de- we were getting DMs all day long, like, hey, my phone hasn't rung. What's going on? And uh, <laughs> I was like, well, luckily, Wes answered his phone, and he's, got, he's going on the hunt. So after a battle with Delta, he got out here, and like I said, we'll get him on a bird here in the morning. So, Well, good luck to Wes, and, and good luck to you guys as you continue to grow, and we'll, we'll continue to support you any way we can over here. And and before we kind of spin this thing up and end it, I just want to, you know, tell Dave thanks for his continued involvement with the KT team. Um, Nick and I will be going down to hunt with those guys in a couple of weeks, and we're we're very excited to go see Kerry and Jason again and look forward to – They've been having a big year. They've been having awesome a really big year. year. They've been having a big year. It was it was a fun couple of days down there with those guys as well. Um, yeah, man, changing lives, you know, whether it be – whatever avenue that you have the flexibility to kind of be involved in. And um, I've been fortunate enough to be, to be put in the position that I am. And I think anybody that's been dealt the hand that I have, that doesn't take part in, in you know, with organizations like this one and like that one, and um, just missing a, a great opportunity because I can promise you, especially like with the KT team, for instance, you go down there, think that you're doing a good deed for somebody else and you leave, much more fulfilled than you got there. I'll put it that way. I mean, it's, it's a gift that's given on both ends. Um, that's right. And for anybody that has ever taken part in something like that, it, you'll know exactly what I'm saying. As soon as you get back in the truck and you close the door, you'll, you'll, you'll know what you know, what I'm talking about. But yeah, man, just, uh, being involved with those guys, I, I'm, y'all gonna have a, y'all gonna have a blast. They're having a big season. Be our, be our second time seeing those boys, and I can't wait to can't wait to see the, the videos from it, and uh, a lot of good things to come from that. But you know, like I said, appreciate you guys coming on. Good luck for the for the rest of the season, and uh, we'll see what happens. And if we can ever help you out in any way, you know, make sure you reach out to us. But we want to thank everyone for coming and listening to this special edition of Talk About It Outdoors with Turkeys for Tomorrow. And uh, Mr. Dave Owens is always a pleasure to have on and chit chat a while. I, I can't wait to hear what kind of response we get on the. Uh, on the debating topics for you we'll have to spin one up come uh, summertime see if we can't have a good one so but appreciate you guys and uh, we'll be talking to you soon but everyone here at talk about it outdoors we want to thank you for being here and remember smile as you go but don't forget mount the memories
Building the foundation of your life starts at the base, and the stronger it is, the better. Talk About It Outdoors is proud of our strong partnership with United Concrete and Paving and the foundation of support they provide. Whether your new home being built needs concrete work or that driveway you're tired of beating all the bearings from your pickup needs a paving, Michael and his team can provide any residential or commercial project support you might need from the ground up. If you're tired of tripping over that unsettled patio slab or a future shop build needs a smooth start, United Concrete and Paving can get you going when you need it most. Give them a call at 404-831-3036 and make sure you tell them them TAI boys are where you heard it first. A few years back, when an overbearing and overgrown backyard became an eyesore, I looked for a solution to resolve. LRS Land Services created a stunning and complete transformation turnkey at an affordable price with their mulching services. Not limited to mulching, LRS can provide turnkey grading and clearing, maintenance, right-of-way clearing, and even development for any and all forestry needs. With an innovative outlook on what is best for your land and a completely different approach than others, LRS can transform your overgrown eyesore into a beautiful landscape of your dreams. Give them a call at 404-889-1105 or check their work out on Facebook at LRS Land Services. Logan and his team are ready to make your land brand new again. Are you in need of a decluttering barn or garage slap full of stuff you just don't need? Or is your construction site needing a dumpster? Give our buddy Tony at Georgia Junk and Dumpster Rental a call. With services ranging from junk removal to roll-offs, Georgia Junk is here to help with any and all removal needs. If it's time to get that parking spot back or the boat needs a place inside, Tony and his team can surely assist. Servicing Cherokee, Cobb, Bartow, and surrounding counties, give them a call at 404-406-3501 or check them out on Facebook at Georgia Junk. Clean up the yard in short order with Georgia Junk. 